Jack Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season four of the Four Jack Podcast, Canada's number one award-winning golf podcast and the fastest-growing golf podcast in America. Available on SiriusXM, Pandora, Apple Music, Spotify, and all your favorite streaming platforms. The Four Jack Podcast is powered by none other than TaylorMade Golf. Their engineers have been hard at work making the next generation of equipment, and their new lineup for 2022 is absolute fire. Head over to TaylorMade Golf and check out the all-new Carbon Face Stealth and Stealth Plus and experience better energy transfer for yourself. TaylorMade has also been very generous with the Four Jack Podcast this year. We have a shipping container full of goodies to give away head over to our instagram page we are doing a massive contest right now we're giving away drivers we're giving away irons we're giving away golf bags we're giving away backpacks we're giving away everything go check that out make sure you get signed up and don't miss out on winning something special from TaylorMade. we would also like to thank multiple forejack premier partners without their support this show would not be possible therabody cricket shirts galvin green peretti golf and a wash that all down our favorite ready to drink on course beverage birdie juice season four continues to impress with a laundry list of amazing guests boasting some serious industry horsepower and knowledge but before we get into tonight's guests let's head over to ireland for this special edition we're checking in with derek who's on the road at rosa pina northern ireland this should be a great one derek over to you all right guys well we're back we've got uh david brisson in with me parksy's out today so it's myself and djb david how are you where are you at we are in the car live with the best caddy in the world, Bo Jolene Brisson, heading down to the Dallas Smith Show. Big Louds hooked us up for a little daddy-daughter date. I say hi, Bo. This is the best caddy in the world. You got to say it loud, though. Hi. Oh, there you go. So there we go. Bo gets on the podcast. She used her outside voice, but uh, you're in Ireland, which is super exciting and uh, pretty cool. So. Yes, I am in one of quite possibly the most beautiful spots I've ever been in. This is new for me. I have not been here. I've been to Ireland frequently, but I have not been anywhere near this part of the world. And I am sitting with our guest tonight. So we have Frank and John Casey. Frank is the director of golf here and John is the general manager. And for those that don't know, we all know how my love of Lynx golf always goes forward. But uh, I first met Frank. I played in a pro-am and stream song with, we have a mutual friend that owns Seamus Akbar Hasty. And my favorite thing about that was, is that I wasn't the best player in the group from the minute we started. So you automatically know it's going to be a great day, but they own, uh, they're part of a resort up here, ownership reasoning and all of the things above with a place called Rosa Pena. And as an Irish love, I've always heard of a lot of things, but we've always kind of stuck to the ring of Kerry. We always went to Dublin, maybe went up to play County Down, play Port Marnock, doing things like that. Never got up here. And uh, I am on a Rolling Hills member trip. So Blair, myself are with 14 members and we are doing 16 golf courses in 15 days. And we played today. We played 36 today here at Rosa Pena. And I'm, I don't even know what to say. I had Blair on a little earlier with me before we came on the podcast, just talking about it. So we played the first golf course called Old Tom, which was the original, the original here, True Links Golf Course. And then we played the second 18 at a golf course called Sandy Links, and really different, cut out of the dunes, far more elevated, a little bit more hold and stop on the golf ball, far different. For those that are banned in trails, 
versus banded dunes, kind of that thought process today, a little bit more trails like than actual dunes, but the visuals were stunning. And if, for those that are on the social media, if you don't follow rolling Hills, I put a couple of shots up today. We had a panoramic view today. We played, it was brilliant sunshine. And we were, we were on, is the singer, is it the fifth on Sandy? The sixth. So we're down there and you can see all the way across and I did the whole panoramic view. But as we were playing today, we were just talking about the simplicity of it all. And we started our trip with, County Down, and then Port Rush, Port Stewart. So you're thinking, okay, you're getting the triumvirate out of the way, right? And then we had this sleepy little drive up here. We went through Letterkenny, Ireland, David, not Letterkenny, <laughs> Canada, but Letterkenny, Ireland. Letterkenny, Listowel. Yeah, understood. <laughs> is, uh, so as much as we love the Canadian TV show of the same name, we came up, but we <laughs> came up and there was this kind of, majestic drive and we got here and it's just this like we're looking out the window now at this beach and it's got this beach around with the bay coming in and all of these what you would call cottages uh all the way around and this whole thought process was it's like i just kind of found shangri-la unintentionally and so when i asked frank and, and then john was down and john's nice enough to come on and i really want to get into a few things about irish travel about what we're doing because tomorrow we're playing a new golf course called saint patrick's links which is a tom dope golf course and it's already won every award, top everything, going to be fantastically world-renowned soon. And so we get that tomorrow morning before we depart. So one of the things I want to ask you guys um, is just tell me a little bit about Rosapena, what we do, where you're at, why it's so special, and why it is kind of in this unique family kind of feel, but yet it's this grand scale when you get on the golf course. So Rosapena dates back to 1893 when it was owned by... Um, uh, a lord actually in Cary Garrick, Lord Leitrim, and he brought old Tom Morris here to design the first course uh, in the late or early 1890s. So that course opened for play in 1893 and soon after built uh, a beautiful Norwegian pine hotel, which was kind of halfway between here and the clubhouse that you're in today. Uh, it unfortunately burned down uh, from, a, from an electrical fire in 1962. Um, and then the hotel operation moved over to where we are right now. So from the from the 1890s, it was it was a golf course with a hotel. So we're actually the world's oldest golf resort, where people would come to stay, have accommodation on site at the golf at a, at a golf course. Um, so fast forward, you know, close to um, 100 years, and our parents bought the bought the hotel and the one golf course in 1981. And uh, John and I were both born after that. So we've, we've, <laughs> both, uh, we've both grown up in, in the business. Um, and we developed our second course, Sandy Hills, which you played this afternoon with an Irish architect, Pat Ruddy, um, in the late 90s. It opened for play in June 2003. And then um, this opportunity came along to purchase St. Patrick's, which was never in the, in the original portfolio. It was always a joint um, our original um, dune land of 800 acres. So we bought that as an existing sort of dormant golf course um, in 2012. And then we've uh, partnered with Tom to develop that. And re it was always called St. Patrick's Links, but to totally redevelop it and build a, a brand new 18-hole golf course on a 36-hole uh, previous footprint. And as you said, it's open to great acclaim um, just over a year ago, just a year ago on Saturday, the 25th of June, wow. uh, 2021, 2021. Um, so, yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to see what you think of it tomorrow. Well, we can't nope. play. And David, what I was going to tell you before you jump in is that 
even the weather today, we had it all. It was sunny and it was nice. And there was just a skosh of rain. And then it came back out and it got sunny again. And then we got all of the wind coming down. And just at the end, it missed it a little again. So we, we had full Irish, or as we like to call it, just a nice Canadian spring. <laughs> right. So walk me through the geographically where you guys are. You're obviously north of Dublin, I believe, for our listeners. Give me a kind of idea, you know, if you're at a... I guess to, to come to the resort and play, like how far are we from a major airport or center? Is it remote or is it kind of achievable in a trip like this? Yeah, it, it's pretty remote, but it's still pretty achievable. We're in the very northwest uh, coast tip of, of Ireland. So we're about three hours and 15 minutes from Dublin airport. I'm probably in the region of four and a half to five hours north of Shannon. Um, Belfast International Airport, where we'd see a little bit of UK traffic coming in, is just over two hours drive. So we're not that close to any airport, but uh, it was still very achievable. We'd, we'd get a lot of people that would arrive early in the morning from the United States and drive up and play here same day. We'd be, you know, they'd come here for the first maybe three, four days of their trip. Yeah, Bandit and Cabot have done a good job of uh, three hours is nothing for some of those yeah. places. Yeah. You know, Cabot's four and a half, five hours. Um, so I think anytime you're talking two, three hours, you know, to get to a golf course that Derek's been raving about for the last two days, I think that's more than achievable as we alluded to. So. You know, and the other part is, is, is for those that are coming other places, you know, the Irish countryside is some of the most beautiful countryside there is. Right. And this place, you, you know, the way we, we came in from, from, uh, Port Stewart last night. So we kind of circumvented a little bit and came around, but, you know, I had a caddy this morning who is going to the University of Michigan uh, that plays here. Uh, his name is Luke, and he lives in Belfast, and then he has a vacation home up here. So he said he comes up and plays year-round, and much like – it kind of has that that Cabot feel. This is the way I look at it is, is while you're remote, you're really not because there's nothing that if you want, you can't have. Uh, I met – so what you guys don't know is, is that when you come to a place like this, not only does it feel like family, it really is family because John checked us in last night and we didn't arrive till 930. We got up this morning. He said hello to me. And then we went down and he was my starter after I checked in with Frank in the golf shop of which Frank set up the caddies. Then I came back and Frank's now closing out the end of the day. And now they're sitting here doing a podcast. So for anyone that doesn't think this is a family owned business, trust me when I say that there's a lot of that feel here. Uh, and while slightly remote, I don't think it's remote at all. Like they said, you could get here from Dublin in a very simple, easy drive. Uh, it would be less than Portland to Bandon for the American listeners. Um, I know that, David, you're going to say the center of the universe, Toronto, and you'll give me some. Absolutely some not. I, I don't know whatever that means. There, there's nothing in Toronto. No one's uh, vested in a lake style or retreat style golf course in the center of the universe. But. Uh, what you described to me on your arrival just sounds like a typical day at Rolling Hills to me, except you're just everywhere. So, uh, well, I, I would like to think that's the case. The, you know it as well as I do, is that the Irish can tell you anything, and it sounds glamorous and awesome to an American. So I don't have that luck if I talk to that way. But that was the best part about the day. But another thing that I want to circle back to, because we did, we stayed last night. We got in. We were all a little bit off the bus. We wanted to do something, so we had a couple of drinks, and Another gentleman by the name of David, who just took care of everything. One of the people in our 16, it was their birthday. So David was explaining the best kind of whiskey per person. He talked to everybody, he walked out. Suddenly we had Pringles. Then we had this great little dish of these dry roasted nuts. And like, he just wouldn't stop taking care of us. So 
One of the things that I wanted to ask John, which is when I asked Frank today, if John could come on, tell me a little bit about the accommodation. So every room has an amazing view. It feels comfortable. We're sitting in one of the rooms now doing the podcast. And the thing that I love the most is that while it, we are in Ireland, the light, it feels airy. Like everything feels like you are, are kind of in that same thought process. So when we were playing golf today, even when it was, was kind of misting, you could see the clubhouse as a color that stands out while very muted. It was something you can see. You can see all in the distance. There's the bridge on the one side, and then you can see the bay and obviously the point. But let's talk a little bit about the accommodations and what you guys not only offer from the golf course side, but from the actual accommodations. Yeah, so we, we have a 70-bedroom hotel on site, relatively small for a three-golf course resort, but there's a lot of accommodation in the local area. But generally, we find the North American tourists book a little bit earlier, so we generally don't turn, turn too many away. So as I said, 70 bedrooms, a lot of them, a lot of the rooms have a lovely view, terrific view over Sheephaven Bay, similar to our restaurant where you would have breakfast this morning, dinner tonight, and there's a beautiful view. And uh, just, it's pretty modern. A lot of the hotels have been recently refurbished or recently developed. So we've, we've kind of gone on the, the scale of bigger bedrooms with bigger bathrooms and kind of to the American continental European customer of just having that little bit more space. You'll see the hotel from the outside. It's, it's a fairly big building for having so few rooms. So uh, as Derek said, there's plenty of space in the bar and our lounge area to relax and enjoy and talk about the day's golf. And it's great to hear that, that David looked after everybody so well last night. It's, it's kind of what, what brings people to Ireland and it's definitely what brings people back is the reception of the staff and how the staff, you know, the staff just like to see tourists and they're very welcoming. It's, it's, Ireland is a great name for that there. And I think the Northwest, we're not overrun with, with tourists so we still have a great um attitude and vibe towards tourists and just just happy to see people come here and happy to see people enjoying it when you've made the journey from la to get to, to rossipena we appreciate it and we're just glad to see people so then then the next question again is most of your golf from obviously you have locals you have members but is the the, the majority of tourism from united states continental europe where, where are you getting the majority of the people coming into play Donegal is still very popular amongst the domestic tourists. We still get a lot of people from the island of Ireland. We see a lot of UK, Germany, and um, the Netherlands are popular markets. But the, our North American business uh, has been growing for the last five, six years. Really, when the Open came to Port Rush, really put the north half of the country on the map. So uh, definitely, we're seeing a huge influx of, of North American. But still get a lot of we get a nice mix from a lot of different markets. We're not overly dependent on any one market, which is which is a good business model for us to have. Well, we see a huge kick on with, with the addition of St. Patrick's and obviously, you know, the notoriety of Tom Doak as, a, as an architect um, and obviously where it's landed in the world rankings. So we see that as a huge, um, you know, a huge way to grow our, our North American business. Well, and it's got to be great to partner with Tom, too, because I just got back from Bandon, as you guys we talked about last week. Amongst us, I played in the solstice last week. And so that was, that was my fifth time. So as we're doing this and I'm starting to play, you know, like this is 54 holes, you're starting to kind of see how everything at golf as the professional in me, I'm always looking for other things, right? I'm looking to see how you're doing things, where things are parked, who does what, what does it look like? And for me, the one thing that I thought about in my reference, when we talk about coastal golf in, in the United States, or if we do it in Cabot and in, in, in Newfoundland and in some of those areas in Canada, the thing that I noticed about here that got me right away is the golf course is playable for all levels. So on our trip, we have from scratch all the way up to 20. And we played in a time where I thought 415 or less, 
we didn't do much, right? Obviously there were some, you know, we were the first people out on, on, on old Tom this morning, but what I really noticed is, is that everybody had the ability to hit the fairway could play. Now, obviously a little bit different shot with the second shot at Sandy because elevation helped if you wanted to get close to some and the wind was blowing a little bit this afternoon. So you had to flight some golf shots. So there were, but the thing that I noticed right away that he did and, and what I found is that he always had a safe side of the green, right? So some of the golf courses, so like as, as nobody would know better about Port Rush than you, Frank, um, but, you know, is you talking about when we play Port Rush, they're just sometimes you can't make a mistake. And if you do, you pay dearly for it. What I thought was different here today is while you could play this golf course from the back tees, David, they had tee boxes that they wouldn't let you near because it can be long if you wanted to. We played it at about 65, 6,600 yards, which I thought was very great for the people that were lower digit handicaps for us. But what I noticed right away was there was a safe spot on most areas, meaning you guys can facilitate play and you're probably not going to back up because you all, you have to worry about that not being private, of course, private to some, not private to all. So when you did the St. Patrick's links, I want to kind of get into what Tom was thinking. You guys obviously have input in that as owners. Tell me a little bit about the philosophy of what you're going to do. So obviously old Tom, a little bit more traditional links. Then you have Sandy very much like when I talk about kind of the front side of Port Stewart or maybe like Karn, I see some of those big gigantic dunes and you're kind of meandering through them. Let's talk a little bit about the new baby and talk a little bit about St. Patrick's Links, about what you and Tom, what you guys are trying to achieve on that piece of land. So with St. Patrick's, one of the most, um, you know, one of the most outstanding features of it is it's, it's, the, it's the undulating fairways and the width of the fairways. So like, we found it here through the summer months. It's it's in the last five to six years. It's been you know one deer and one day and one deer through the main playing season. So that you know that great width for all through the year. Last Saturday you were here. You were in Ireland. Saturday, right? No, we no. flew in Saturday. Saturday yeah. yeah, Saturday was just blowing 30, 35 k all day, sustained wind. So with full tee sheet of 110 players it was you know it's difficult for people to get around so but the scale of St. Patrick's as well is it's a it's a it's a it's a very wide golf course it's a very it's a very wide site the no, no two holes run hugely alongside each other so it's um the width and the scale is is one of the most impressive features of it and uh, so great width of the tee but it's all strategic so you can be on one side of this hugely wide fairway but your line to the green is a much tougher line like in the likes of the first hand first hole if you're down the left hand side you just have no you have no view of the green whatsoever so it's all about strategy and angles um tom used the entire 36 hole property spread the golf course out over over all of it it's a it's a very you know it's a huge expanse you don't feel like you're you know you you, you could have easily fit in 36 now saying you know one of the teams would have been a little bit tighter than the other but what tom has done with exploring the entire property from from all to all four corners is very impressive you know and tom has very i don't want to say systematic but tom has very distinguished and distinctive ways of doing things right he has his own thing and when you're now in this major league of architects between corn crenshaw and david kidd and obviously Tom, and then you're going to take on a little bit of that feel of, of where you're going. And I guess the way I look at this now, Gil, obviously doing a little bit more with that type of thought process as well. It, it's funny because they all have to have this kind of individual mark on what it is they do. So tell me a little bit about in the dealing with Tom, 
was there ever a time where you guys kind of had a very distinct vision that you wanted that he carried out? Were there, were there times, and I'm not asking for disagreements, that's not a fair statement, but what I'm asking for is like, did you guys have to push it all for what the vision you saw or were you guys kind of cohesive in that thought process and it just came together? No, we were very much of, you know, with Tom's track record of what he's done, um, not just coastal properties, but everything that he's done was just basically, it was, whatever he wanted us to do to facilitate wherever he wanted to go on the site and build whatever he wanted to build. We didn't, we didn't want to steer him down any one path. We give him, you know, not gave him, but just, you know, he created license to do whatever he, you know, whatever he saw. But, well, and the best part about that is, is that's usually the best way a golf course comes out, right? So when you let the guy that paints paint, exactly. usually good things happen. But you do have to have a little bit of it because you guys have turns and you have business, you have push throughs, you guys have things that you have to achieve to stay where you are. So that's not always easy in that thought process, especially when you're talking weather dependent, wind dependent. And one of the things that I want you guys to know on the podcast is, is that we had caddies today. We had three caddies that were plus threes or better, but they knew when to say something they did not. So one of the things when you go to remote Ireland, and I say that with all kindness, but sometimes the caddies you get are much more of a bag toter than they are an actual caddy. Today, we had full full caddies and they did an amazing job because they knew, again, not necessarily to push you to Safeville. Like one of the things that you always have when you have a caddy, like when we were at Port Rush, the first thing I'm going to be honest about, one of my favorite pieces of property in the world, you know, guys, now you guys are members of Port Rush, correct? And one of the things is it's just that piece of property is just touched by God. It's kind of like County Down, right? Like you just know it's great. But when you go to Port Rush, you're not there. And the caddy has one job because he sees 300 of us a year. It's to push you through, right? He's not invested in my game the way that I want him to, because that's just not what that place is. You're supposed to act a certain way, enjoy the golf course, play a certain way, but there's always going to be, it's, it's much like Muirfield. You just have to be in spots. Otherwise you have no chance of succeeding. I didn't find that at all today. I found the golf experience literally as, as much as the experience of that kind of home feel is that when you're playing golf, you guys do a great job managing the tee sheet. It's never people, right? You don't see other people unless they're right close to your tee time. And tea times are a quote unquote, when you want, how you want. But for me, the one thing that I noticed is with the caddies and the golf course and the service. So today we were out there, perfect example, playing golf. Here comes a cart with beers, Jameson whiskey, if you desire. How's your, your day? So as an American, I live in the service world and that's a big part of what we did. So it's fun to talk about the caddies when I talk about Rolling Hills about the speed of the greens or what we do from a, from a, from an expanse standpoint, how much at the country club and there's eyes get really big. And this young kid, Luke was going to Michigan. He just couldn't believe that we have six acres of practice facility and that USC is there. And like, he's thinking out, you could just see his wheel, his wheel spinning. And then I'm like, but do you know what you have here? You know? So like you, like you could compete anywhere in the golf course. You could do anything in the world. If you're a good player here, because every shot, every thought process, every single place to play, and then you have three different styles of golf courses, which is what I find the most peculiar, but yet unbelievable. Because even when you go to Bannon or Cabot, they're very similar outside of what trails is. You know, I know sheep is considered different at Bannon or the twos are, but that's not the case here. Like you have three distinctly different golf courses. Yeah, that's very true. We're very lucky in the fact that, you know, old Tom is, is that little bit, that little bit tighter than, than Sandy Hills in places. And a little and, longer. And a little longer. Yeah. And, but again, around the greens, you, you, you know, you, you grow up like the likes of Luke there. He's grown up, you know, holding a short game around all those green complexes, you know, from those tight lies, you know, six, eight feet below the level of the green, or from just basically being able to 
positive chip it on the same. You know, he's all the different shots from around the putting complexes. Um, again, on Sandy Hills, a little bit tighter off the tee. You definitely have to shape your ball off the tee more on Sandy Hills. And then obviously St. Patrick's is that little bit newer. And it's again a lot is a lot of St. Patrick's is in and around the as you'd expect on a Tom Doak is in and around the green complexes again. There's a lot of undulation, a lot of contour, an awful lot of fun. And we're quite lucky here in the fact that, you know, we're you know, we're basically hundred percent fescue as much as possible in our green complexes. And you know, you can only get you only get fescue so quick unless you, you roll or double roll in the morning. So we're able to keep our greens at about eight or nine max. So with that, with the wind, you're able to have that little bit more contour than you would if you were trying to achieve, you know, higher green speeds and trying to build in that contour. So you will see tomorrow how much fun you will have in and around the greens. It's it's a lot of fun. It really is. Well, I can't wait. And one of the things is, is that when, you you know, I grew up as a Fazio guy at the quarry. And, you know, you got to know Tom and, and, and what they did in their thought process between pathing and how they get people around. And what really just blows my mind is the thought process about here, how you have the, you know, you guys actually allow buggies, which is something that's very different. You guys allow cards. Um, and what I found is, is that I saw today a lot of people that couldn't play links golf got to play which I think is pretty special. Now, again, you're not going to be somebody, nor would I, that ever promotes using golf carts. But again, it's just a little different touch that you guys have here feeling like that is part of that. So as you guys go forward, let's talk a little bit about membership. Let's talk about kind of the community. So John, when you're here, is that like, do the members, when they frequent, I saw today, like one of the things you see captain and ex-official and you get all the parking spots and all the official stuff. Tell us a little bit about what it's like locally for Rosa Pena. Yeah, we, we have about 300 members. Um, maybe 50% of them are like Luke, who are based out of the area. They're Northern Ireland, they're Dublin, and they have summer homes, or they come and stay here for some time in the summer. And the other half are, are local locals that um, live here, work here, and travel. And uh, so it's, it's great for us. Um, membership in Ireland is obviously very different to membership in the States. People just play their local golf course. Um, it's much more golf, very affordable in Ireland. Um, so. It works really well for us. We're great that we have, you know, a strong local membership and that are really keen and positive. Like most of those guys that were working, that were caddying today, are members or kids of members or nephews. So it's it's terrific for us, and they're kind of the driving force as well. You know, locally, and um, now when you see like a lot of the employment here is tourism. You know, Downings, this whole area, Rasapena, there's nothing here except really tourism. So you know, the success of of Rasapena and um you know, old Tamara, Sandy Hills and, and, you know, 10, 15 years ago when it opened and kind of got some notoriety and in recent years, St. Patrick's, it's, it's really elevated the whole area as opposed to just Rossapena. And it's great for us that people, you know, that are employed locally, you know, those kids can caddy and earn a living and go back to college in, in the autumn. And it's great for our members and it's great for everybody that, you know, we've brought all these people to the area. It's just, it's, it's, GA is a huge part of the area, the local GA club that you can see from the hotel. But the golf course now, you know, it's much like a Scottish town here that the golf course has kind of become the lifeblood and it, it just gives so many people in the area an income. And, you know, it, it, a lot of those caddies use their caddying money. You know, that's that's how they can they can afford to become members of, of the golf course. So it's just, it's a real local, you know, as I said, it's kind of the heartbeat of the local area, the, the golf course. So it's it's great for us that, that you know, it's, it's so successful and it's working well and guys like yourselves are, are coming and spending some time here. So, um, yeah, we're, we're just really happy that we have that kind of strong local membership. 
Well, and that's the other thing I think some people might not understand is how big golf is. For Obviously, Riverside right next door is the town center. I mean, everything funnels through that area and they built a new clubhouse. Everything is being utilized for weddings. And like, you can see how every bit of it. So when we were at the two golf courses that are close between Port Rush and Port Stewart, I had all four of our caddies at Port Rush were Port Stewart members. Yeah. So it's like, you can see, and you know, there's a lot of retirees, it's vacation homes. So there has to be some sort of community feel or people aren't going to retire in an area that doesn't have that feel, right? If you don't feel welcome, or if you don't feel like that's part of it. And I think the way I look at a lot of Ireland, and, and I'm very, very fond of the Republic personally, because I just... I've said, and we all know I don't lack opinions. Um, I still think the best golf in the world is Scotland. But if you combine golf experience and people, there's no place in the world like Ireland. And I would say that a hundred times over a hundred, there's just something special about the way we're treated when we come here. And I think it's emphasized even more when it's family owned. And one of the reasons we wanted you guys on the podcast is that one of the things we want to get out is, you know, We've, we've talked live to death, right? Like we've done this and, you know, growing the game versus whatever, you know, like we all know that's a crock of shit and it's just an excuse so that we can make more money, which is the definition of being a professional. So I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with was, is just that I think people don't really get the soft side of golf. I don't think they understand the gentlemanly nature or the business aspect. When you respect the game, you can have a great business because of the game. And I think what people need to understand about Rosa Pena is, it really embodies that, you know, and like I said, I knew when I met Frank at Streamsong through Akbar that we were just talking, you could just tell not only could he play, you really kind of just have this fondness for this property and you guys can see it in both of you because you're always here. Like every time you look, one of you are, are always available, which I think is fascinating, but it's the same thing I do, right? Like, so if I'm there, if I'm not there, Blair's there and one of us is always available. And it's really weird that the two of us are away from the club at the same time. So what I want to get in from that is your lights. Okay. So you're at Rosa Pena. You have this amazing 50 hole, 54 hole property. You have this unbelievable hotel with views. You're over the bay. You can see the bridge. You can see the cliffs in the distance. And what are the, what's the one cliff point that you see that's so. Hornhead. Hornhead. Thank you. It's just amazing scenery. So tell me, do you guys, do you, I mean, you guys have to, other than working all of the time, what else do we do? <laughs> You're gonna laugh, but what, what what we do and what we do to relax, or what I do to relax, maybe more than John, is play golf. Honestly, that's what we we were, we were both very lucky. We we're both brought up in the game, and we both can play to a reasonable level. And we love nothing more than in the off season, obviously, more than this time of the years traveling to play golf. That's the thing about golf, and we've realized that quite quickly. Is you know playing some of the best golf courses in the world, you're going to be brought to some of the most beautiful, beautiful places in the world. And, you know, so you get to travel, you get to see some, you know, some of the most beautiful scenery anywhere in the world, whether it's on the way to the golf course or where the golf course is. So, um, again, so we we're, we're seasonal. So we opened at the start of April, uh, the hotel opens at the start of April and it closes at the end of October as does St. Patrick's and Sandy Hills. Old Town will stay open through most of the winter um, for the membership. Um, the hotel will close for five months, uh, first of November through the end of March. So we have a little bit more time to travel in the winter because um, you know golf, the weather here isn't, isn't fantastic. Uh, and then at this time of year, again, it's a bit like you and Blair. John and I are never away at the same time. So if John's off for a day or away for a day, um, I'm here and vice versa. 
but you know, a day off at this time of the year is it's half a day and it's nipping up the port rush for 18 holes with, <laughs> with somebody hosting somebody usually and then trying to get back to work for mid afternoon. Um, so yeah, we, we try to keep most of our traveling to the winter time if possible. Now, do you guys have anywhere that you really like? Like, do you, do you, you have other places in Ireland that you guys go or is you guys try to travel anywhere? Or is it just whatever situational? Just anywhere, really. You know, we're just, you know, we go, we're trying to always try to go to new places, you know, try to see, you know, try to see the most, you know, recently developed courses or resorts, see what's, what's new, you know, from, you know, from a work point of view and also, you know, getting get just to play golf <laughs> so you guys have the same drug you always are looking taking ideas doing exactly. whatever you yeah, yeah. it, it's funny because even today when i was playing one of the members i was playing with today looked at me and goes just never stop do you i'm like if i know you're unhappy my next shot's not gonna be great if i know i can't get something for you then i'm probably not doing my job because if the 14 of you have a great time then i'm having the best time possible and we had a i was sitting there last night and i was definitely overserved, which is a great thing about being at a private resort right and David was telling us a little bit about some things and there was this group that came in and they were definitely overserved, but yet everybody wanted to stay. And it's one of those things like last night, I didn't want to go to bed. Right. So I knew we had 36 days. So eventually you have to do that because you've got, a, you, know, you got 22 miles to walk, but I noticed a lot of nationalities, a lot of languages being spoken. I even heard a Gaelic conversation last night and two of my caddies today we're speaking Gaelic and I asked them if they're talking about me because I don't know what they're <laughs> saying and I'm okay with that. But I said, just be honest, you can say it. You can say it to me. I'm okay with it. But one of the things that I've really noticed and you guys tell me golf has boomed obviously. And so with the advent of private jet travel or cars and now like we have a giant Mercedes coach that I wasn't sure was going to get through letter Kenny and taking that right. I was a little nervous about that road. And so the golf boom obviously has been great for you guys, but do you see that continuing? I mean, obviously, let's talk a little COVID golf. Tell me about the statistics. Where are you guys at? What you're hoping for? What the season looks like? Yeah, this, I mean, our season looks, looks, looks terrific. It does. Um, we just said until the end of October, as Frank said, we're season. We open early April around the time of Masters and we close in Halloween. But we're just going to have a very strong season this year. We've literally booked out most of July, August and September. Um, really difficult to, to let people that regular customers be tried because so much stuff has been flipped with COVID. Uh, difficult for us really to know how much of our current levels of business are to do with the golf boom and how much is to do with, you know, the, the addition of St. Patrick's because we're seeing a lot of people, you know, but what we're really seeing is people who've come to Rasapena in the last 15 years and have really enjoyed it. And now I've seen St. Patrick's and seen St. Patrick's being advertised and thought, oh, let's go back there. And so you're getting 15 years of people who visited once or twice all saying, oh, St. Patrick's is open, let's go back and see it. So from that end, we, we're seeing a very strong year. And I mean, advanced bookings for next year at levels that we've, we've never seen before. So, Well, again, I appreciate that because the thought process with that answer is kind of what you just said, right? So the boom to me is different because in America, COVID boom, we really didn't close. So we went astronomically high. So we ended up having to change our service level because we went from being this club at a private club into this club. And so for me, the thought process overall was, I'm not sure how we're going to survive this as a golf course, because as a Lynx golf course, as you guys know, divot patterns are different because they're collection areas. Greens aren't firm. They're going to leave marks. Like you, you've got to play a Lynx golf course a very specific way. Otherwise it's going to take the beating versus the opposite, right? And what I saw today at the golf course where you guys are at, so I think boom is an unfair word, but what I would say is activity is, the, is, is definitely up. 
And what I thought was the best was all the people that I saw from the age ranges, right? So we, we obviously have people as young as their early 40s on our trip. And then I saw people probably well into their 70s playing golf today. So that to me is always a telltale sign to how one can judge the resort, right? Like when you go to Bandon, you got a very specific group. Like if you go to Pinehurst, you're going to see 58-year-old guys in Peter Millar and that's what you're going to see, right? Like you go to band and you know what you see, like there's just G4, that's your group, right? This is my guy trip. And I'm taking a, a birthday party in a couple of months. I'm taking 16 back up there for Jeff and we're going to have a great time, but you can very stereotypically see a lot of resorts. Like when you and I were at stream, so I'm like, it's us, right? Like it's better players looking to go out and play 36 and kind of feel what it's like to play all the color to the golf courses and how far back can you play it? And what can you do? And I think that that's the thought process for me is, I'm just looking around and I always want to see that all-inclusive place, right? That place that says, okay, you can play, you can play. But I think what John said earlier that I liked the most was 15, 20-year repeat people because that's the ultimate mark for us in our business, right? If they stay or if they come back, then you're either doing something right or you have a product they really, really like. So do you guys find that the employee side of this has been difficult as you've grown I mean, that seems to me like in my world right now, finding the, the level of employee that I want is not where I'm at. And we're fighting that a little bit in the States because there's a different mantra of what you can and can't do. How's the employment, the thought process here? I mean, do you guys just have your core group and you count on them deeply? Do you have to bring people in? Do you have locals? How does it work? Yeah, we have, we, we believe it or not, we have some staff here that have worked, I'm 35. And they've worked here longer than I've been alive. We have two staff that have worked here since before my parents bought the hotel in 1981. We have an awful lot, I'd say we've, we've easily over a dozen staff that have worked in excess of 25 years. Um, and that core staff is really the lifeblood of the hotel. People know them. Um, it's amazing. We have guests. We have a, a photographer that comes from Australia and he knows all the staff. He knows them all by name. We have other American guests that know a lot of our staff. It's, it's a real kind of close-knit family. And to what you're saying, we do hire a lot of local staff then year over year, and we hire some um, European staff that come and live in. It's really easy to attract people to the area when they look at some drone footage and some um, aerial shots of just downings and just the beauty and the beaches and everything else. Because people come here that, you know, like it's, it's, it's the kind of opposite to city living. You know, it's rural, you, you know, you have to drive everywhere, you have to go everywhere, there's no real public transport, um, but it's just quiet, it's just nice. So. We have some some international staff um, that, that move around, but they come back here every year. So uh, I think, you know, my father always said that you can't do it without staff. And he always, you know, he always treated staff very well and, and staff were very important to him. So we kind of Frank and I have the same mantra. We have some great golf staff. The Canadian kid that came last year and he came back this year, Berkeley. Danny in our pro shop is, is, is super important to us, as is Martin in our bar in the golf pavilion. And it's just looking after those guys, making sure that they're happy and enjoying what they do. And, you know, looking after them, if, if customers aren't right to them, you know, we, we'll, we'll just talk to them and, and just you always defend your staff and look after them. And, you know, from that end, we've been able to find good staff through the years and, and find, finding staff's one thing, but we've been able to keep them. And we're very proud of that. Well, that's definitely the catch because I can vouch for Martin. I can vouch for David. I can vouch for Shane. Like everywhere we went, one of the great things, and, and I always think about this in, in that thought process, when you do this, much like we talked earlier about you, like I saw Shane doing three different jobs today, right? And he did it with all three of them. He was happy to do them because 
I, I couldn't imagine. So imagine being an American interning here. Like, I didn't know that was possible. I would have interned in Ireland four straight years before I took my PGA class A. I would have been here in a heartbeat if I'd known that was a possibility. And I think that that's the whole thought process, as you said, again, repeat customers also usually repeat staff. So one of those great things is when you walk into a place and you know the person and you haven't been there for a while, that's one of the great feelings. And, you know, the tap room at Pebble Beach is very similar to that, right? If you have your server and you've been there enough, like they're usually still going to be there. And you think about that same thought process. And so for me, I'm kind of interested in that. I look at it from the way you two are looking at it. Like, that's why I like talking to you guys. And I wanted you guys on it because I kind of think like you think. And I know that when I was with 14 people who have been very successful in life and they've done what they've done, they don't look at it the way I do. They just were like, holy shit, why has nobody ever told me about this? And I think that, of course, in today's world, with especially with Tom doing that new golf course, it's going to be that same thing. David, I think the big thing for me is you, like me, love to travel, but you, like me, like to go to these places that are slightly remote, but yet really good. So tell me a little bit about what you think you want to ask the Casey brothers. Well, right now, travel and me are not friends because uh, 65 out of the last 78 have been on the road, so not fun, but uh, sounds like I need to get to this place. But now for me, it's I love this experience. As you guys know, I've traveled all over the world playing golf and doing things like this and trying to find that unique thing and you know you mentioned pebble beach and you know them knowing your name there's places like that all over the world and i think this just you know echoes all those same things but i guess you know kind of wrap things up i you know your model is come we'll host you obviously it sounds like you're getting a great experience as derek will allude to but what's really your core business it's not selling memberships but essentially having people come in. So maybe walk through some of those stay and play packages. Then I have one follow-up just for uh, once you guys answer that, that I'll kind of jump in, but walk us through the stay and play and what people can expect, you know, when they, when they reach out to you folks to come and play. Uh, yeah, basically we, we, you know, we, we try and get people to come for, you know, three, four nights. And I mean, it's just hugely about looking after people and trying to make things as easy as possible. Um, as as Derek alluded to, I'm kind of based more in the hotel, and Frank's based more in the golf. But um, you know, Donegal and you know the Northwest, uh, when there was troubles in Northern Ireland up until the late nineties, you know it was it was very much annexed and cut off. So really, a big part. Our big mantra is it's it's like now we're seeing a lot of Americans come in and they want to play the courses and see St Patrick's and see Sandy Hills and tick boxes and see the old course. Before that, a big big part of our business model was getting people to come back. So just going back almost to the, the, the last answer, it was that really is is, is kind of the mantra here is, is look after people and, and have them come back. And we get people that, you know, we've had groups that have traveled um, in Ireland every year. Uh, this is funny. They've traveled and they've told us that they, they go somewhere different every year. And that's kind of the model of their trip is they try and they go somewhere different. But they've come here maybe four or five years ago and they just come back because um, they like it because it's easy you know the golf's of a high quality it's links it's a links resort which is pretty unique in, in Britain and Ireland in itself uh, we've, we've a good name for food we source a lot of local seafood and we just try and make things as easy as possible for the customer you know the golf courses are there for hotel guests for local members you know every tea time is available and it's just trying to make things as simple as possible um, like Derek's group this morning, you know, Shane looked after them, he collected them, took them to the range, got them to the first tee, we got them their caddies. 
I was moving around doing different tasks. Um, Frank does the same thing. You know, it's just trying to anticipate the golfer's needs before the golfer, you know, even even asks, just so people are happy. You know, and if, as I said, if we didn't get repeat business, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we wouldn't be here now. So it's just trying to look after people, not looking after them to see what they're spending or to keep them spending. It's looking after them so that they, when they when they drive out the gate and they drive to the next destination, that they see Ross Venice somewhere that we want to return to, no matter where they're from. If they're from LA, which is a 10-hour flight, or if they're from, you know, Letterkenny, which is 30 minutes up the road. It's, it's just all about trying to get people to enjoy it to the level that they want to return. All right, so you, you've gotten to the golf course, you've played, you've been hosted by David, um, you've had a great experience, but you want to venture on the town. What is the go-to pub that's the locals, that where the locals will accept you? Where would you guys suggest someone goes, or where would you guys say in town? Where's the pub to go to? Uh, well, there's a couple places. Uh, we're quite lucky. We're blessed with a couple of very traditional um Irish pubs. So number one, you'd have the Harbour Bar, which is right across the bay here uh, with a beautiful balcony out the front overlooking the, the pier. Um, and there's a small seafood restaurant there called Fisk. Um, then down into the village of Downings, you've got the uh, Tremor House. It's a again, another traditional Irish pub, but with a, with a you know, 60 to 80 seater pizzeria out the back. Um, again, and a seating area outside. Um, not that you can sit outside that often in Ireland, but for the, for the couple of days a year that you have, we have these these couple of seating areas. Uh, and then just a couple of miles up the road, we've got the Old Glen Bar, um, which is a, a fantastic uh, restaurant uh, with a Michelin star uh, chef called Kieran Sweeney, who's just come there of last year. And again, a traditional Irish pub out the front. That's just, it's like smaller than most people's uh, upstairs guest bedroom. It's just, you can only fit about 12 people in it whenever it's full. So, um, but then obviously the restaurant comes out the back. So uh, yeah, we're very lucky that we do have some very, and they are as authentic as an Irish experience as you're gonna get anywhere in the country. So uh, we're lucky that we have, you know, close to a handful of those places. We've also got the singing pub as well, which is uh, about a five, six minute drive away. It's on the Atlantic Drive, which is a very scenic drive that starts and finishes at the hotel here. Takes you around the headland. Um, so they're, they're, you know, so there's a handful of places to go. So, yeah, you won't be stuck for a Guinness when you come to Ross Bennett. <laughs> Did you say the singing pub? Meaning, singing pub, is yeah. that what it's called? Or karaoke for Derek tonight. <laughs> Let's just say, hey, it's our version of Shellbach. We're good. <laughs> All right. Um, well, you had me at, you know, your golf course and Letter Kenny, but, you know, you throw a Michelin star restaurant in there. It makes my travels one more bucket list thing to do. So this place sounds awesome, guys. And appreciate your time. I'll let Derek kind of wrap up. But, again, sounds like an awesome place. Derek's obviously attested to it. And thanks for coming on tonight. And, on our listeners a little bit about what you guys do and the experience and, they're going to get. So. And you know, David, they're also being very humble because the best Guinness is poured here. And I, I'm, I'm not a connoisseur at much in life, <laughs> but when it comes to beer, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I am definitely the low handicap in this group. And the best part about it was, is like I said, we had this gentleman last night at a birthday and they have an unbelievable feature of whiskeys and it goes from one end to the other. And of course I'm going straight Jameson 18 and then we went all the way down, and I forget what is it called madness method, method of madness. Yeah. And it's a it's and that's what they were. It was like 
so you, all of these eclectic personalities in one room and all these captains of commerce, and there were like six different choices. And David had the absolute letter sheet on it. So regardless of Michelin stars and all these other things, it starts and stops <laughs> with Rosa Pena because trust me when I tell you, not only do they pour well, they pour often, which is the greatest <laughs> thing that can happen to all of us in this kind of place. So, Derek, you've clearly left your whoop in L.A., I assume. That Notice how it's uh, not on my wrist. <laughs> I was going to say, your mental capacity seems much more in spirits for all the alcohol seems you've been consuming. Uh, it so. has been quite a week. We went solstice into member death, <laughs> straight to the plane, and we're doing 16 rounds of golf in 15 straight days. I'm going to walk over 150 miles of golf in less than three and a half weeks. All right. Well, pretty awesome. So. Well, thanks, David. And, and thanks both to John and Frank. One of the big things that we love on the Four Jack podcast is finding new things for our listeners, especially the Canadian listeners, listeners in the States and all of the people that are listening internationally. And I think one of the greatest things of having a podcast forum is promoting things that are worth being promoted. And while you always are going to have foreplay and you're going to have no laying up in those guys and they're going to be far more PGA based, we're far more about the no bullshit, being honest. And if you have not thought about Ireland travel, you're crazy and you're really not a golfer because it should be the motherland to me because I think the people offset anything else that's going to happen there. But most importantly, it's our job as a podcast to get you in touch with the best of the best so that you guys can also experience what I'm doing, what David's doing, where Parks he's traveling to. And we don't put people on unless we really think that they're worth you guys knowing about it. So to Frank and to John, and thank you for coming in, David. But more importantly, get to Rosa Pena. Check our social media. I've got everything posted. I'm tagging everything uh, from the Rolling Hills site uh, on Insta. I will also make sure that Parksy does all of this. We'll have a lot of the Instagram information. I'm also going to do some things personally. Uh, I've got a couple of things that I do going forward. I took some great pictures today. So, but whether you're coming from the South um, or you're coming from the East, regardless, even if you're coming from Belfast, get to Rosa Pena, make sure you're doing it. Three amazingly, amazingly championship golf courses. And I'm telling you right now, we all know, David, we've played almost everywhere. And I love Bandon Dunes. It's, it's my happy place because it's less than three hours for me to get to from California. But I've not played 54 holes at one facility as good as this outside of Bandon. It's the only place I've ever been where I would tell you that it's this good. And I get to play, you know, the world-renowned St. Patrick's, which is brand new, year open, and it's already winning every accolade and every award possible. So, A, I don't think that could happen without Tom Doak. But B, more importantly, I don't think that could happen without the Casey family and, and what they've done here for the town. And where they are with, with Rosa Pena and what they've thought about and the comfort of being here. So if you uh, are traveling and if you're not traveling, start to travel, do it. We're coming out of COVID. There's been zero issues with that here. Uh, we're on a bus. We're having a blast. We've got a long way to go, but I'm going to have a pretty safe bet that I'm not going to feel this feel anywhere else. And that's not a shot to anybody else, but everywhere else we're staying is not on property with the exception of Dunebeg. And I think that that thought process is, is that where we're here, it's, it's you, our family, as well as the people that are taking care of your family. So congrats to both of you. Thank you guys Thank you. for both of your time you. and uh, get to Rosa Pena. <laughs> <laughs>